Hello, hello. This is Deo with Persevere to Excel podcast. I am so excited for this end of the year reflection. It's going down, down, down. Um, I've been a little bit away from podcasting the last couple of months, uh, rightfully so, but we are back and we're going to get this. All right, all right. Shout out to my brother, Martin Toe, for Waka, which is his song that we use for our podcast. I am so, so pumped to do this podcast today because I feel like there's been a lot happening. I've been doing a lot of different things and I just kind of needed to ground myself a little bit um, in order to to get to this point, right? It's end of the year. 2021 was crazy. 2020 was just out of this world, but 2021 was crazy for all of us. But I'm really, really excited about 2022. In this podcast today, there's literally four different parts of this podcast. We're going to talk a little bit about like mental health, my being, how I've coped through 2021. Um, my family, right? Like the different moving part of my family, my kids, my wife and I, we celebrated our 10 year anniversary. It was a big, you know, really big deal. Uh, I'm going to talk about my business, Deo Mono Consultancy, uh, going from a solo entrepreneur into building a team um, and the different partners that we've worked with. And then the last is really like my hope for 2022. So I'm just pumped, pumped to be here with you all. I hope you are doing well with your family. And I know this is like the holiday time of the year. So you just kind of, you know, ground yourself. So I like to tell people, you know, it's not really about the gift. It's about the family, right? Those you love and those you have relationship with. Finding a way to connect with them. And obviously with COVID still being here, finding different ways to connect with them by emailing, text messaging, video conferencing, um, phone call, voicemail, right? And if you have, you know, the luxury of seeing them in person, really just cherishing them. And that's really what it's all about. So 2021 was just a really crazy year for me. We came out of 2020 with really survival. That's what 2020 was for me, was really sur- survival mode, right? Staying at flow, staying alive. And going into 2021, I was really, really blessed um, in 2020 where I felt like, you know, that, you know, that might just, it might've happened. So what does it mean for 2021? You know, a lot of stuff was still very scarce where I'm like, I don't really know if I'm going to continue to have clients and, and what does that look like? And, but I was able to really sustain myself. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that, but first for our opening, I really wanted to focus on like my being right. And, And this is for you too. A lot of times we focus so much on the external, right? How people think about about us, what we wear, what we dress, what we have, and all of this stuff, external, external, external. And we don't really focus a lot about our being, which is internal, who we are, what shapes us, what are the drivers, the moving things within us that's dictating what we actually do. And for me, I'm very, very intentional when it comes to my being, And by that, like I'm constantly reflecting. I have to reflect 
in what is driving my action, my behaviors, how I feel about it, and what ownership do I have in order for me to move forward. That's really like the driver of who I am as a person. And there's a lot of different influences that that contributes to that, right? So for me, like there's certain principles that I believe in that are important to who I am that I have to grab onto them. So some of those principles are respect. I have to have self-respect for myself. I also have to feel worthy, right? I have to have self-worth. I have to feel that self-worth. And then more importantly, I have to be loyal to myself. I got to be loyal, right? To myself. And I have to literally, literally uplift who I am. So those are kind of like the core principle that I have for myself. And some other ones are like, you know, persistence, not giving up. Those things that are important to me, making sure that I am creating the space to engage with it. So I'm very, very aware of my emotions and feelings and how those emotions and feelings dictate what I end up doing. So if those emotions and feelings are negative emotions and feelings, I have to make sure that I am confronting those negative emotions and feelings in order for those emotions and feelings don't impede on my action, right? To influence my action, what I do. Do I always hit it 100%? Heck no, I don't hit it 100%, right? That's part of, no, no one's perfect, but I think it's the intentionality. I am intentional to make sure that how I am showing up for myself reflects those internal drivers that I believe are positive that shapes who I am. So that's where it starts first. So how do I do that? I am constantly reflecting. That reflection is so key. So I feel crabby. Why do I feel crabby? I feel anxious. Why do I feel anxious, right? I feel happy. Why do I feel happy? Like being in tune with those feelings and understanding what's causing it and driving it. It's kind of the, that's been the, what's, what's been the critical thing for me in order to be on top of it. And then from an external standpoint, how I show up to others, right? So it starts first with those who are closer to me, right? My family, my wife, my children, right? I have three kids. Um, My oldest is about to be nine. I have a seven-year-old and then a five-year-old. So they keep me on my toe 24-7 and they're going to let me know how they feel about certain things, right? And then my wife, who knows me very well, we've been together for... 17 years, um, married for 10 years. We celebrated our anniversary in 2021, our 10 year anniversary, which is crazy. Like that's a person that knows me very well. Right. And then I have, you know, external kind of family, which is my brothers, my, my mom, right? Like those, those folks, they know me, they know who I am. So those folks are constantly, constantly, um, kind of being my, my accountability partners in terms of who I am and how I show up to them. So one of the thing that's fascinating, it's like the, the folks that are closest to you, sometimes you might have a way of justifying how you show up to them because those people actually, they know you, they know you probably better than 
you know, other folks that know you, right? And then the, the type of relationships that you have with them and how they kind of engage with you, sometimes you might, you might justify what they say in terms of how you're showing up. But there's still an opportunity to consider what they're saying because they know you. So half of the time, not everything was, every single thing that they're saying might be true, but there might be a piece of it that's a little bit true. So I'm constantly, constantly, you know, keeping those who are closest to me, you know, in the alignment of how I reflect on what's happening and how I'm showing up. So the crazy part about 2021 for me was really going into the year in gratefulness. I was really, really super grateful about, you know, some of the stuff that happened in 2020. We all experienced the pandemic, the social unrest, all the different moving parts. For some reason, I still felt like I was able to stay at flow to a certain extent. And it doesn't necessarily mean that there wasn't times where I was panicking, where I was like, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? Especially as a, uh, a father, a provider, a husband, right? But I was able to kind of conquer some of the challenges that came alongside me in 2020. You know, some of those challenges were, am I able to sustain my family and myself by being self-employed, you know, really an entrepreneur who's grinding out there with zero external capital, like constantly relying on the relationship that I'm developing and building in order to sustain me, to keep me going. And then another piece of that was really, what am I doing physically and mentally in order to still you know, feed my creativity. So th- that, that was the kind of stuff like that confronted me in 2020. So going into 2021, I wanted to sustain the momentum that I built going into 2020 and seeing if I can keep that momentum going holistically, right? Making sure that I have the right mental space to confront some of the challenges that, that occurred, right? And some of the challenges that was going to occur that I, I was not aware of, right? So that's kind of how I got into 2021. But one of the things that was interesting in terms of my mental being, I noticed that at the end of 2020, I started to get really busy with um, kind of my consultant work and, you know, really trying to keep the business going. I got really busy because I got some opportunity that came about that I needed to Foster, right? So at the end of last year, I ended up getting a con- I had actually a couple of contracts. One contract was with uh, an organization that was focusing on substance use disorder, specifically on underrepresented groups throughout the state of New Hampshire. And I ended up getting the contract for this. And that contract started in December. It started in November, December of 2020. And then uh, some of the other requirement kind of flew, uh, transitioned into. January. So I was in that mode. And then I also landed two more partners that the work started in late 2020. So I was on sustainable mode, right? So to me, it was like, whoa, if I can go into 2021 with these partners, like I want to make sure that I do a great job. I do an awesome job. So, um, so they give me great referrals and, and, and they're proud of the work that I'm doing with their teams, right? So that's, that's how I, go, I went into it. Because of that, it took a lot of my mental space. So going into 2020, 2021, that transition was still there, right? Like I never stopped. Like that transition still, my head was still there in terms of like keeping that flow going. So when I got into, so with that meaning, you know, like the, my, my time, like 
I had to make sure that I reserved time for, for going to the gym or dancing or making music. Like those things for me are like some of the best thing that keeps me mentally grounded. It keeps me in tune. Like working out in the morning for me, it's not even about the, the physicality, the benefits of what you see with your physiques if you're working out. For me, it's, it's that pressure. It's that tension, right? It's that heart rate beating fast. Like, and it's also the only time that I have to kind of reflect on my own. So I'm usually an early morning workout type of person. I'm out there between 5 and 5.15. I get about an hour in. 15% or 20% of my workout is all cardio. So I do the elliptical. I do the bicycle. And I run. I run a mile. I try to run a mile every morning. But that schedule got compromised because I put so much on my plate for my business where, you know, sometimes after my kids fell asleep, I would work at night. And then in the morning, I wouldn't wake up that early to hit the gym. So already that started to get a little compromised at the end of 2020. So going into 2021, I, I, I realized that I, I needed to make sure that I carved out that time. Another thing was uh, with dance. So at the end of, in the fall of 2020, I was teaching, uh, I decided to teach dance at this one studio one time a week and it was a fairly new studio. The, the owners were like really awesome or, or great. So I was like, it, for me, teaching dance is really more about having a space where I'm creating because that creativity for me is so critical. Like I have to be engaging in creative things. So with the pandemic throughout 2020, I didn't really, I didn't, I, I taught some virtual classes here and there, but I wasn't teaching consistently. So when the opportunity came about to teach on a weekly basis, I loved it. Like we grew the class from three students to over like 16 students that were coming consistently. So I had the dance piece happening and then transitioning into January. I realized in the beginning of January that I had to give up teaching dance on a weekly basis for two reasons. One was the, that allocation of every Thursday evening, like it kind of, it kind of created, a, you know, it was non, non-flexible for me because I made that commitment. So sometimes I'd have client stuff or something at the family, at the house. Like I, need, I, I needed to honor that commitment of teaching every Thursday evening. And then at, at the same time, the, the COVID, right? COVID is still around. So I was like, you know what? Like it's probably the best thing to not teach, make that commitment on a weekly basis. But it killed me in my heart because I knew that from my mental space and my mental being, I needed that consistency of teaching every, every week. I look forward to it, right? Like I would listen to different music throughout the week to find different things I'm going to teach. The students were great. You know, they were very respectful. So, you know, they were all growing and it just gave me that outlet, but I needed to give that up. So for my mental being, so here, 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 here's an example where there's two things that I need that keeps me grounded, right? Working out in the morning and teaching dance or just dancing, but teaching dance like with other people, right? Seeing my students, like just loving it, just the, the energy that I experience by teaching. And I'm a very different person when I'm in the studio. Like I'm super goofy. Like I'm just, I really just allow the creativity to drive me when I'm teaching, and now I had to give up those, I had to give up the dance piece. And then I had to really fight to keep the gym time, right? The early morning gym time. So already 
I started to feel it. I started to feel that pressure because my day, my day-to-day work with my business takes so much of my mental energy. All the work that I do, it's really mental. And like I'm constantly analyzing different things. I have to be present when I'm interviewing or doing this listening sessions with businesses. So it, it really, really challenged me to not have, you know, the, the outlet of teaching dance on a weekly basis or, you know, me having that commitment of working out every morning. Like that, that's my freedom. Like that's, that's where I just unload. And, and I came into 2021 with kind of giving, giving up the dance. And it, and it stinks because my last class at that, play, at that studio was, uh, middle of February and it just it just hurt it just hurt me I was like man I'm really giving this up and then the working out I I really started to advocate for that time like it wasn't as consistent but you know I started off like I was like all right I, I gotta prioritize like if I can make it out there at least three to four times a week that would be great so that's the only thing that I really had and then in my business I just, that's really where a lot of the energy went. The, a lot of the energy was one, I was super grateful that I'm still working. I'm still getting gigs. I still have, you know, I'm getting compensated and that money is supporting my family. Like, so I put a lot of energy in sustaining my business. The fact that I survived 2020 without having to give up being an entrepreneur it, it, so, so that's where a lot of the energy went. And the other piece too, in terms of mental health, I would really say for me, it's also eating like the type of food that I eat. Like I know what my weakness is when it comes to food. I, I know what types of food that impacts me negatively. Like I did a whole like, experiment like six years ago and I, and I was able to cut certain food out and then I saw the impact of it. So I know, but when you're in like a very fast pace right? Like you, where it's like work, this, that, that, like it's so much easier to just compromise. You're not going to be at the height of everything that you think that you need to do in order to be your best version, right? So certain things you're going to drop. That's just the reality of it. And the opportunity is when you start dropping those things that you have the awareness and the recognition that you're actually dropping something. So for me, at times it was food. Like it was so much easier for me to just justify and say, all right, I'm just going to eat that thing. Oh, I'll just, you know, I'll just make it up somehow. But that food would impact me. It would impact me a hundred percent. Right. So I, I like to keep it a hundred with people. Like part of that introspective of reflecting on who you are, you need to know the things that impact you positively and the things that impact you negatively. Right. Like you need to do that self-assessment and it's important to do it because then it gives you the tools that you need to be aware of what those drivers are that impacts who you are as a person instead of allowing it to drive you and for you to make decision unconsciously without really having ownership of who you are and what's, you know, the things that matters to you. Right. So for me, like I have a little bit of an advantage because I, I do know a lot of those drivers, but it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm always on top of it. So food was one area where I just felt like, Oh man, like this food is, this is really not working out. The other area for me that's critical in terms of my mental health is really my faith. And for me, like that's the starting point, like my faith, like what do I believe in? right? What keeps me grounded? What is the central, like center point of who I am as a person, right? So for me personally, 
it starts with my faith. My faith is what drives how I see the world around me and what I pursue in who I am and who I need to be with the relationships that I have and the business that I do, like all, all of that, like my faith is really, and for me, I, 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 I am a Christian. I'm a non-denominational Christian where I believe in Jesus Christ and the principles of Jesus is what drives who I am and how I see the world around me. Right? Like that, that's, I, I just want to be honest with you all. Like that's what grounds me. So when it comes to like giving up and how I treat people and I, like all of that comes from, it comes from the, like the principles of my faith. That's really the driver. So part of that, like it forces me already to kind of be internally aware. Right. And I think over the time, my faith has developed and matured to a different extent where there's more of an ownership of who I am as a human being within my relationship with God and what I believe in. And, and I just want to say, like, even if my belief in God, like the God that I believe in doesn't exist and doesn't really mean anything, it's just a fictional thing. Like, I don't really focus too much on that. I focus more around the principles of what I believe in because those principles are what that's kept me grounded. Those principles, what has kept me alive, right? Like some of you know my story, my family and I moved from escape war, a civil war in the Congo where it led to my father's assassination and we lost everything and we had to start from scratch. And it was our faith, believing that there was a better future and the principles of Christianity is what my mom held onto. And those beliefs kind of drove the actions that she took that allowed my family to escape the war, move to a refugee camp, and eventually move to America. So, so that manifestation of believing in a greater power and believing in something and allowing that belief to drive you has always been a central point for me personally. And so part of who I am, a lot of times how I am evaluating situations that I'm in or rationalizing what actions I'm going to take, a lot of those actions are actually driven by how does this particular thing reflects the principles of my faith? And then that kind of becomes the backbone, right? For me personally. And if, if something is contrary, then I'm like, well, that doesn't really align with my faith. So therefore I can't do that particular thing, right? For me personally. So this is not imposing my belief and my, the principles of my belief on someone else. This is just for me personally. For me and how I see myself and what the expectations are for myself, not to others. For me personally. So, so that is in a really, really critical part of who I am as a person. So when I think about my mental health, so when I think about how I survived 2021 through my mental health, really, like I'm, I'm, I'm laying that out to you, right? You know, my physical health, my eating health, my relationship with my family, my children, you know, outlets that I need in order to, to release, you know, the energy and the pressure and expression, whatever it is. Right. So I do that through performing art and making music. And my faith is kind of the central point where I throw everything back to, right? Like that's, that's, that's what works for me. Like that's who I am. Like that's literally like who I am as a person. 
in terms of like relationship, I, I do want to talk about that a little bit, right? Uh, I think for me, those who are closest to me are the ones that challenge me the most because they know a side of me that most people don't and they understand they've, they've, they've kind of had, they've had those repetition of behaviors of how I show up as a person, as a human for a very long time. So they, they understand me in a different lens, right? Like if someone just sees you in a different way and you have a certain relationship that's very um, controlled based on whatever the occasion of the relationship is, like they're only going to see that side of you, right? Like your wife is going to see you holistically, right? Like she's going to see every aspect of you, right? Like your children are going to see a lot of different aspects of you as well, right? So those are closest to me. Like that relationship is, is so critical. So part of that in 2021, what I've experienced is just that evolution, right? How to be present, how to be receptive, right? How to affirm, one of the thing I would say, and I'm, I'm going to be vulnerable with you all. Like one of the thing that I would say in terms of my relationships, specifically with my wife and my children, I'll start with my wife first. Like that I learned in 2021 was really, I think after 10 years of marriage, you know, having three kids, like there, there's so many different things in front of you that you need to f- kind of create an alignment on in order to focus on. So like when you get married, like I always tell people, like when you get married, you realize how selfish you are as a human, right? Because prior to that, everything that you did, you pretty much did it for yourself, right? Like for the most part. And then, so when you get married, you get to figure out like, okay, how can you be less selfish in order to create some space for your partner to also be in consideration, right? Like, so, so you're sure, like you're releasing certain things, right? About who you are and, and in order to make that work. And sometimes some people like they just, they don't want to give up any of those things that, that are accustomed to them. Right. And then the other person has to kind of adapt to what you want. Right. So there's always that balance, right? There's always that balance of like, who's willing to give up their self aspects of who they are that makes them selfish in order to find alignment in a relationship. Right. And it doesn't happen in like a perfect harmonic way. And for me, like that's been a constant thing in my marriage that I had to develop and learn. And I'm still learning, right? But one of the things that I, I, I learned in 2021, I think coming out of 2020 and dealing with COVID and just the pressure of it, having all of our kids at home for remote schooling and all that, like I also realized that like my wife deals with pressure differently than I deal with pressure. So I realized that like if I have an upper hand of how to deal with certain pressure, like I need to come alongside her in order for her to just know that I, ha- I got her back, right? And I think I realized that at the end of 2020 and that kind of transition to 2021 where I was a little bit more intentional of just being um, understandable of how she's processing certain things and what it meant for me to show up for her, right? Would I say I did it all the time 100% perfectly? No, because I was dealing with my own things too that I needed to, at times, right? Like needed to kind of represent and focus on. But I do, I would definitely say like that level of like coming alongside and being more intentional. Like, hey, how are you doing? How's your day going? Because for me, like on my mental state, like I'm very like whatever obstacle that comes along your way, it's about facing a head on and figuring out what you have ownership to in order to overcome it. So like, I'm very like direct where my wife, it's like, she wants to run away from the obstacle because she doesn't like the feeling of how the obstacle makes her feel, right? So like 
which, which is completely fine because everybody has their own way of dealing with obstacles. But so I just realized like during in 2021, I needed to be more intentional of just coming alongside. And it, 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 didn't, it didn't actually mean that I needed to solution. It just meant like, hey, just showing that you're present, showing that you, you're, you have an understanding of what they're going, what she's going through and just, you know, asking her what, what she wants from you during that time based on what she's experiencing, right? So, and I think for me, that's always going to be an ongoing learning experience as a husband. And then in terms of my children, I feel like, well, we had a big milestone as a family. My children are all in school now. So I have a, a kindergarten all the way up to an, a third grader. And we realized that like, whoa, no more diapers and kids are in school now. And like all of this milestone, it's like, it was kind of interesting just reflecting back on it being like, whoa, we've made it to this point. And my wife and I also, we, we also celebrated our 10 year anniversary, which was a, a big deal, 10 years of marriage together. And we took, we took some time. Like we went on vacation for like five days. We went to one of the islands and just spend time to just like reflect on what a crazy last 10 years of our life it's been. Right. And, and I needed that. Like in something that I learned in 2021, like you need to carve time for those you love just, just on the specification of the growth of that relationship versus what you're actually doing. Right. Like, so example for that's like, it's not the vacation is what the excitement part is, right? Like you were flying to a different island, there's going to be food and drinks or whatever it is, right? It's the fact that like, it's an opportunity to just connect with that individual. And I think that's the same thing too with your children. Like there's an opportunity to just connect with them, right? Like, like on a personal basis of who they are, where they are, what are they thinking about? What, what does that mean for them? So, so for me, it's like, that was one of the thing in 2021 where I realized like, it, it's critical. It's critical. And I need to make sure that I'm carving out that time and to be present, like to really just foster that, that individual human to human connections without the experience being the driver, right? The external experience, like really focusing on the interpersonal connection experience to be the driver. So that's the first part on mental health of surviving 2021. And I kind of infused the family in there too. So we kind of covered the mental health piece, the family. Uh, the next segment is going to be on business, solo entrepreneur to building a team. And then we'll talk about what's out there for 2022 and what we're, what we're doing and what we're excited about. All right, so I promised that this is just going to be back to back. So we talked a little bit about, well, a lot, a whole lot of mental health and family in terms of 2021. And I would just say, like, I'm excited about 2022 based on those, you know, my mental health and my being. I'm super excited also about continuing to fostering the growth of my family, right? Like my, between my wife and I and my children. I think that's, that's critical. So let's talk about the business. <laughs> Dale Moano Consultancy is, it's, it's just wild, right? Like literally what it is, it's a combination of everything that I am passionate about. 
and things that I've had opportunities to build skills and experiences around. And then I've packaged it and then I offer it as services to different organizations. That's really what Dale Mono Consultancy is. But I also like to say Dale Mono Consultancy started when I was in middle school. So you're, you're asking me like, okay, what do, what do you mean by that? Well, I started speaking. If some of you who know my story, I started speaking in front of audiences when I was 11 years old at this uh, Christian youth organization program called Joshua Generation, where they did inner city outreach to different churches and communities. And they use storytelling and performing arts. I was involved with the program because my church um, some of their youth would go into this program every summer and I joined it and I developed some really awesome relationship in this program and the staff really found my story to be um, very, very motivating. And they started to ask me to tell my story in different places that we went to. So that's really where it started. It, that's really like the genesis of it. I didn't know that it was going to be Dea Mono Consultancy, right? I just knew... I knew the impact that my story was doing in people's lives when people heard about it, right? And my story is about persevering, overcoming challenges and not giving up in order to move forward, regardless of what it is. So that's where it started. And by the time I got to high school, um, I've been doing the speaking and the performing stuff since I was 11 years old. By the time I got to high school, like it almost kind of became its own brand, and as I started to grow as a dancer, I got opportunity to teach dance with that program. I started choreographing and I got opportunity to start teaching at local studios where I grew up in Manchester, New Hampshire. So that that's really like that, that that's really the genesis of it. Like it's been a long time. That's a whole long time. Like from, from 11 years old to where now I'm 31, right? So that's 21 years of speaking and presenting and making connections with various of groups and people all over. So by the time I got to college, that's when it was solidified. Like that, that, that was like when it was solidified, it's an official brand. Like it's Deo Moano brand. At the time I was doing more motivational speaking and teaching dance. So that's what I was doing in college. Gaining some skills along the way that kind of enhanced who I was and how I presented. And then I got an opportunity in college to intern at the admission office. And when I got an opportunity to do that, they also realized some of the skill set that I brought. They gave me opportunity to focus on potential first gen students. So that means students that are potentially thinking about going to college and they might be the first in their family to go to college. So I would go to local conferences and conventions to, to speak about my experience and encourage students that are thinking about going to college. So that gave me a different platform, right? Because at, at first, like a lot of my, my speaking was really in, in, in churches, community centers, after school, but to kind of move into that higher education space, like that gave me a completely different platform. So that was like, I had to somewhat become subject matter expert around, you know, college admission and what college tuitions and all that is in order to tell a story that was relevant to the student, right? So then when I graduated from college, I started to work like in the corporate space. I was a political science major, international relations, and I... 
I had a small job with the State Department, a program that was funded through the State Department working with Pakistani leaders. And then I went to grad school. But between undergrad and grad school, like, like my work was very solidified. Like a lot of the money that I made in college to survive was came from teaching dance and speaking. And then, you know, my family had a chance to appear in Dancing with the Stars, the TV show. So we had a little bit more visibility. I started to get book a little bit more to teach and tell my story. But when I was in grad school, like I used a lot of what I was learning in grad school. I, I did an MBA in strategic leadership. So a lot of the stuff that I was learning in in grad school was really business oriented that I modeled the work that I was doing with Deo Muano to kind of help shape it. So at that point, like, and which was this, this is 10 years ago. Like that was like where I was like, okay, I think I have something here. Like people connect to my story, the experiences that I've had with in education and working with youth, like that's really resonating. I think I have something. And the other thing that I want to touch on is that, when I started, so after grad school, I graduated and I started to apply for jobs. Like some of the stuff that differentiated me was the experience based on the work that I've done. So that, that kind of shaped it. Like, so it's almost like the Deo Moano brand consultancy, quote unquote, the work that I was doing through Deo Moano speaking and cons- uh, consulting, not consulting at like a corporate level, just consulting different things, teaching dance, like those things are what people gravitated to when they saw my resume, right? Mind you, like I was super young. I'm 20 years old, 21 years old, 22 years old, right? And that's what potential employers are looking at are saying, whoa, you've worked with the youth for the last six years. You've taught dance. You speak at different places, right? Like in college, I got to do a TEDx. So I had a TEDx kind of under my belt. I had a speaking bureau that was representing me, so those things were kind of part of the thing. So that, the reason I'm telling you this is because sometimes like we have an idea around, you know, something that we want to do, right? A business idea or a cause or whatever it is, but we're not really engaging in things that reflect the idea of something that's, that we're passionate about that we want to pursue. And it's important if you're really passionate about that thing, you have to create the space, for you to engage with that thing so you can build the experience and the expertise. So then you can cultivate it, right? So for me, I, I kind of fell into motivational speaking because of that organization at the age of 11 because they gave me a platform to speak. But more importantly, I saw how my story was resonating to different community that I was speaking to. And then as a, as a middle schooler, I just continued to foster it, right? I continued to go to the program every summer. And then I would take what I learned from the program into stuff, extracurriculum activity that I did. So if it was at the school and middle school and high school, I was always like organizing something, I, either in the performing art or giving back. Like that was just part of my thing. And then by the time I got to college, like it got significant enough that people started to pay me to do that particular thing, Right. And then I started to recognize the impact around it. And I branded myself based on the work and the experiences of what I did. Right. And I think the branding piece is so critical because today some people brand themselves based on what they want to do versus what they're doing or what they have experiences with. 
That's two different things because what ends up happening, if you brand yourself based on what you want to do, but you don't have the experience, then when the opportunity is presented, you're not going to be able to deliver sufficiently because you haven't done the actual thing, right? So I, I just want to highlight that because we live in this world where it's all about like branding, positioning, what this, this, this. But more importantly, the experience is what's more important. And the experience is where you should allocate all your time. So when you, whatever that you learn through the experience ends up shaping what your brand is. If we don't, if we don't, if we're not grounded in the experience, then it's just a, it's just a tweet or it's just some, you know, some stock photos that you've grabbed, right? Like, I, I just want to be realistic with it. And because I see this a lot with many groups that I work with, sometimes people are all constantly saying, oh, I want to do this. And I'm like, that's awesome. That's amazing. What are you doing around it right now? Oh, well, you know, work. Oh, oh well, this, then it's like, okay, then like, it's great, but you're not doing it right now. So like, you, you got you to gotta carve out and find time to do that particular thing so you can build the experience. So then eventually you can be positioned in a way where people can actually pay you to do the thing because you, you have experience. You can do it. So I wanted you to stop there because I, I know we're supposed to talk about how Dale Mono Consultancy grew in 2021, but I just wanted to really focus on that because when, when I talk about Dale Mono Consultancy, sometimes people are so quick to see what we're doing now and focus on that, but they don't really know like the work that it's taken in order to get to this spot, right? And after I graduated from college, I started to work corporately. I still carved out time on the side for Deo Muano stuff, right? Speaking, teaching dance. I worked for the State Department for a little bit and then ended up working for this higher education program where we work with adult learners that came from employer partners. So I learned a lot about the corporate space based on the experiences of our partners that came from you know, national companies, right? Some of the companies were Panera Bread, UPS, the city of Memphis, um, McDonald's, like all, all these different companies. And my role within this, within this higher education program was working under the student success team. So I was a learning coach, but my focus was to figure out what we need to put in place in order to support our students in order for them to accomplish their learning goals. But part of that was also understanding the students holistically. So I took a lot of the experiences that I had through the Deo Muano stuff, speaking and working with different groups, I brought that in into my, the corporate job that I had working for this higher education, right? But for me, I was able to identify what I brought and what I received by working there, right? What I brought in, what I already had with me and what I learned, what I received by what I learned with my coworkers and our partners. And I never let loose my foot on the gas when it came to my own personal brand. It wasn't because I felt like my own personal brand was more important. The work that I was doing with Dale Moana was more important than the work that I was doing for, for, the, for the university. It was that I felt like it could build upon it. So some of the stuff that we were doing at the university that I saw that, oh, this might work for some of the, the, the uh, K-12 students that I work with in inner city program like we, I, I started to see, oh, what would it look like if we, if we created a coaching model for our high school students or middle school students that are struggling with their learning the same way that we, we were working with co college students who were adult learners, right? So like I was able to take some of those, those things because a lot of the stuff that we were doing at the, at the university was also brand new. No one has ever done it. So we, it was all exploration, right? 
we'll go out there and explore different things and then we'll try it. And if it worked, then that got contributed into the make of the college, right? So then I was like, we should, I should try some of this stuff too with, my, with the high school kids that I work with at this after-school program, right? That work was part of the Deo Mono brand stuff, right? The Deo Mono stuff. And then when that started to grow, I started to realize, oh man, I can start including, you know, social and emotional learning and education success around time management, taking ownership of your learning. What does it look like to have a curriculum that's diverse, that thinks, how does it, what does it look like to teach diverse students, understanding what they bring with them, right? That literally became the extension of the speaking and the teaching dance. And then people started to book me to speak at education, education conferences, um, ESOL program, right? This English school learning, right? Or, or ELL, English language learners, right? So that's how the brand grew. And then I left the, the by the time I left the, the higher education program, I learned so much being there for three and a half years. Like I was a different person. Like I understand so much about partnership and developing material, designing program, co-designing program with those who are the recipients of the services, right? Like those are the stuff, the stuff that I saw that brought some serious positive impact in the work that we were doing. So then I infuse that approach in my work. So when I left the college, I went independent. I had a really awesome opportunity to work on a teen father program. And that teen father program focused on a lot of the stuff that I was doing at the university, how to help students that are either teen fathers or about to be teen fathers accomplish their high school. So we looked at time management, um, personal growth, self-esteem, all of that. And that at that moment, I was like, whoa, I've learned so much working for this university for the last three and a half years that it's built upon my brand. And now I can like literally like, expand upon the work that I offer to people beyond just my story of teaching dance. Like I can literally create learning models or learning approach that helps students succeed in their learning. So that became a service that I provided. So I was able to do that for six months. And then I ended up going into a tech company, uh, an education tech company that was about taking student success matrix and integrating it within a learning management system. And that was some of the work that I did early on when I was at the university, but from the lens of student success instead of the technology. But I worked closely with some of the technology folks that they, um, that, you know, the, the opportunity arise and it was like, okay, I'll come and work with you all. Now that you have your own, your own spin out company, I'm going to come, I'm going to come through. And I also realized as part of my, my growth, I needed to understand how technology worked. And in order to scale stuff, you need technology. So naturally, I said, okay, this is an opportunity to figure out, you know, how you can integrate some of these things that I'm passionate about into technology system in order to grow it. So part of that work was I, was, I started working at the technology. My, my role was manager of student engagement. So I would, potential partners that were interested in buying our technology, I would go and visit them and try to understand their model, what they're trying to accomplish and what to consider in their, in their system in order for their students to be successful if they're learning through our platform. That was literally my job. And I would travel all over the country to different partners. And that's how the brand continued to build and grow. There was an alignment, right? There's an alignment between what I was passionate about and what I care about, but also the skill set that I needed to develop and the skill set that I had. So when I think about 
2021, right? If we fast forward to it, going completely independent two years prior to that, it was, it was really about, for me, it was going into 2021 regarding my business. It was a sustainability. I had a proof of concept within the last year and a half of building the company that I can survive, that I have services that I can offer. It wasn't easy, but it was really about how do you continue to build upon it? So in 2021, I, I started to subcontract some of the work where I needed to introduce and help educate the folks that came to work with me around the actual model itself, right? What is the model that's unique to Dale Mono Consultancy? We focus on building relationships. So that's the core of what we do. So everything that we do, we try to maximize engagement first so people can engage authentically, honestly. And what we learn through the relationship of what they bring up is what leads to where we focus and how we focus on certain areas in order to solve problems, right? It's like, that's literally our model. So regardless of what the problem is, we can identify the problems through the method that we use and how to do it. I use a lot of coaching approach. I, when I was working for the university, we developed a coaching model. So we had an opportunity to look at different executive coaching therapy stuff. So I believed with my business that that was the approach that I was going to take. So when I started to subcontract different people on my team to, to help kind of implement some of the partners, I needed to focus on that. How do I make sure that they can learn and adapt their approach around the Deo Moano consultancy approach? How they show up to, with partners that we don't have the answer, that the partner have the answer. It's about helping them to get to the root of where the answer lies versus us coming in with the answer. Because at the end of the day, they need to be able to sustain whatever solution that they put in place. And that's how, that's the type of stuff that I learned when I was developing coaching model for adult learners. The adult learners, they had the answer to what their learning success was going to be in terms of the effort that they needed to put in order for them to succeed. We needed to create a space for them in order for them to reflect on it so they can become in tune of what it means to allocate time after work and be able to talk to those who are around you so they can alleviate some of the pressure so you actually have time to do your schoolwork. And then what does it look like, what does it look like when you're engaging in the learning and you, you identify that you might not understand certain concepts? Where do you go for help, right? Those are the type of things that we, we, I worked on when I was working at this college. So and I saw a lot of great success come out of this approach. So with the Deo Moano Consultancy brand, that's the same approach that I've adopted. I believe that our partners, they have the answer to the problems that they're facing. But the first part is they have to be able to identify the problem first. And then they have to be able to identify all the different moving parts that's contributing to the problem. And then what is going to be the solution, the best solution that's going to help them move forward. So that's why in Dale Mono Consultancy, we're able to work with education institution, nonprofit, city, city officials and, and government officials, higher education, businesses that are in finance, businesses that are in insurance, businesses that are in property management, businesses that are in healthcare. Because we are not the subject matter expert in the field of work that they do. We are the subject matter expert in the process of helping to identify where the gaps lies, what's contributing to the things that you're doing well, what's contributing to the things that needs improvement. 
And part of the, the, the most authentic way that we do that, it's through that relationship building. It's through creating a space where people trust and are honest in order to identify the patterns. And once we identify the patterns, we can dig deeper in leading to the solution. So in 2021, we got to work with so many different partners. One of the partners that we had a chance to work with was a property management out of Boston. They have properties all over the country that they manage. And part of the work was helping to establish their diversity, equity, and inclusion group, and then um, facilitating a, a survey that went to all their employees, and then helping to identify through the survey data areas of focus, and then for the team to be able to create a pathway, literally a strategy of what their diversity, equity, inclusion work is going to be because they want it to be sustainable and embedded into their practice. So part of that work, I worked with this team every week for an hour and a half. I met with this team. I really got to know them and it was amazing. It was such a diverse group from, from race, gender, ethnicity, nationality, age. It was just incredible. Like but we had to work through some very difficult things in order for them to find alignment, right? For them to build that trust amongst each other. So part of the approach for us was we're going to allow this, the group of 16 to kind of model what the company wants to do. And then once they have ownership in it, then they can be the driver on what that looks like company-wide. From a concept standpoint, it sounds nice and dandy, but when you're in it, like you're really, really in it. There's a lot of moving parts. Someone might have a bad day. Someone might have a different perspective and point of view, right? So we spend a lot of time just building alignment, building alignment, a connection, an intergenerational, cultural, sexuality connection amongst all these 16 members. Every week for an hour and a half we met. And sometimes longer, sometimes more hours based on the different work that we were doing. And this group was able to accomplish so much, not because they had the secret sauce, it's because they all had the commitment to put their differences aside in order to learn from one another. And they've been, they were able to accomplish so much. They, they rolled out the survey, the, the employees participated, they provided the discover, what they discovered from the survey, they presented to leadership, they have priorities, areas that they're going to focus on and move forward on. Another project that we worked on was helping the city of Manchester distribute $250,000 to small business owners. So we were brought in to make sure that, that it was done in an equitable way, in an inclusive way. Part of it was that the money came from HUD, so it was federal money, so we had to make sure that we understood all the different moving parts, the requirements that the Fed had in order to figure out where the flexibility was, because we understood some of the experiences of some of the BIPOC business, small business owners that are part of this community. So we wanted to make sure that the requirements that were in place, that they were equitable. So we worked diligently between Dale Mono Consultancy and the Chambers of Commerce in the city of Manchester. And what we put in place really, really reflected the resources that, that some of these businesses needed in order for them to even compete in accomplishing and completing the actual application with the crazy amount of requirement that was needed. But we provided the on-the-ground support. We had interpreters. We, we created template for profit and loss statements. 
And that's really what it means to be inclusive. Like you got to meet people where they are. And that was actually one of the funnest projects for me because you were able to see the direct impact. It wasn't even about us. It was about the businesses. And some of the BIPOC businesses, this was the first, the first time they received resources through COVID that went to their business. Over 45 different businesses were able to get the money. I think it was actually over 50, but we had a good amount of BIPOC business owners. I think it was 25 to 30, which is unbelievable for a city of 150 people that the city was able to be this intentional. That, that, was, that project was so, so amazing. And then the other project that we, we, uh, we're still working on it that we started with, and by the way, we, we're still doing the city project, so we're going to do round two where we even have more money to distribute. So I'm super excited about it. The other project that we got was um, working with, with this education institution, a very um, uh, prestigious school that's located in New Hampshire. I'm not naming names because I don't want to name drop. But part of the project was to specifically work with their campus services team, which is a huge department, uh, division with over over 600, 500, 600 employees. And our, our, our focus was to help come up with a diversity and equity and inclusion strategy that engaged with the employees in order to, to understand how the employees feels about their experience within the last year and a half of being through COVID and how that particular college can be more inclusive, celebrate the diversity that all the employees bring and be equitable. So we had to create a strategy that really was thoughtful and considerate of all the employees, meaning how the employees were going to access the survey, how the employees are going to engage in the listening sessions, right? Understanding when the availabilities are, they have employees that work first, second, third shift, like all of that moving part. But the interesting part was the work that we did prior, working with the leadership team of that particular division over the summer and really helping to create that connection amongst them around these principles. They needed to figure it out what it meant for them as leaders first before rolling it out to all the employees. There's a lot of moving parts throughout that, right? The diversity, equity, and inclusion stuff, from a conceptual standpoint, from a concept, you're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. But when you start bringing it down to reality, you start realizing some of this stuff, it's like, it's complicated, right? Do you want to go out there and ask your employees how they feel about their sense of belonging and consideration, especially over COVID, through COVID, right? That's vulnerable for some, for some leaders. Like that's not, that's not something that you're, you, know, you want to sign up for right away, right? Cause you, cause you don't know how people are going to reflect. So what we tell our partners, we say, we're not here to just dig up negative stuff. We want to celebrate the positive stuff. So you know, what's, what's going well in order to continue to reinforce it and then also find opportunity for positive changes. And you got to make that commitment. And that commitment is not just you being in a silo and creating solution. It's integrating, co-designing where it's appropriate. So people see themselves in the make of your organization and also the services and implementation that you provide. Because some people be sitting on 20 to 30 years of experience within an organization, but are never given an opportunity to provide inputs. So those are the type of projects that we worked on that was like really amazing. And then I needed to make that, that leap, that leap, right? That leap of, growing, right? I can't do all this work on my own. So I've always had a team of folks that I subcontract to, right? I have a researcher, a data analyst, Richard, who's amazing. He creates all of our survey. He analyzes our survey. He's a PhD in 
in family practices and in, in, in education. And so he's, he's just, he's just awesome. He, he, he works full time for this other organization where he analyzes data from schools all over the country. So we're super, super fortunate to have him on our team and he works on all of our data stuff. I have a couple of graphic designer, my friend Logan, who's out of Florida. Now my, my other friend who is out of Minneapolis, Minnesota patient who creates some of the, some of our graphics I have a couple of videographers. I also I stay there with the graphic designer. I have a, a new friend out of India. His name is Rakesh. He did a lot of the, the, the logo pieces, the new logo pieces, and all the diversity equity kind of graphic that we have lately. He, he created that, and I've been able to develop a relationship with him, and we intend to continue to work with him. A couple of videographers. We have a, a, a videographer that we use all the time, a good, good friend of ours named Jason. A lot of our kind of quick video we do it ourselves, but then if we have a big project, um, he gets, he gets to work on it. But I realized that like, in order for me to scale, I can't do all of this stuff on my own. Right. So when you scale as a business, that's a commitment that you make. And that commitment comes with sacrifice. Cause when you're an entrepreneur, especially a solo entrepreneur, once you start making like profit and you're right. And for me, it's been interesting because I've had to make profit from day one. I couldn't do this by saying, oh, next six months, next 12 months, I'll make profit. Like I needed to make profit on day one. So when I stepped out almost three years ago, when I was like, I'm going to do this full time, I had to work and put the right stuff in place first. So then when I jumped on board to do this full time, that I could actually sustain it, right? That I had revenue coming in that I was making profit, right? Because I just didn't have crazy amount of cash just sitting out there where I can be like, oh, all right, like I'll get to it eventually. And, you know, I'll make profit eventually. No, I needed to make profit right away. So with Day One Consultancy, we've been blessed that right, even prior to going full time, like we always made a profit. So moving into this full time, like I needed to make a profit. But so when it comes to like, hiring people that are more working more hours and more consistently like full-time like that's a sacrifice right because you're cutting into your own pie in order to say hey i'm going to distribute the pie and i know that that pie will multiply by bringing this other thing in that's really the heart of entrepreneurship right entrepreneurship is about sacrifice it's about creativity it's about being resourceful Entrepreneurship is not about just the fantasy of, oh, I'm going to build a business or I'm going to create a product. That's great and stuff. But when you're in the, in the doing of entrepreneurship, it's about sacrifice, creating, being resourceful. And at any time, if each of those categories are not developing or are not focused on, then more likely your business is going to fail. Even if you have abundance of money that's coming in to keep you afloat. How do you define success for your business? What is success? So for, for Day One Consultancy, like I realized like the model that I had, you know, subcontracting and, you know, really vetting people and making sure that they understand the approach that we take, that they can do the work in that approach 
the biggest thing was making that leap of faith and saying, all right, I need people on a more consistent basis and who am I going to hire? And part, part of that, you know, you don't, you don't really know. You don't really know who's going to be the right fit, but you have to take that leap of faith and you have to make that sacrifice where you can cut a piece of the pie and give it to someone else. And that's what we did in 2021. It almost felt a little bit like when I decided that I was going to do this full time. It almost felt like that. Like it literally almost felt like, like I needed to like actualize that and be like, all right, it's time to give that piece of the pie to someone else. So we have right now, we have one person that's pretty much full time. They, they work 35 hours a week. We have another person that's 25 hours a week. And then at any point, four to five different subcontractors. And it's been amazing. It's been amazing having a team that I'm connecting with on a consistent basis that are contributing. And my, my, the one person that works almost full time is incredible. Like I've known this individual since, since she was in high school and she went to college for undergrad and she got her master's and she's, she worked on different projects with us. And, and she, she took that leap of faith to say, all right, I believe in what you're doing with Dale Wanna Consultancy. Like I want to be part of it. And she ended up working on one of the most amazing projects that we did this year. Um, a university reached out to us and said, hey, we've had a lot of professors of color that have left and we want to figure out like, like what contributes or inspires professors of color where they end up, where they choose to work and live. Uh, we just want to understand so we can better inform ourselves in our strategies of how we recruit, how we attract, recruit, and retain professors of color. So when that came about, I was like, that's, that's, that's like, I'm interested to just learn that myself, like that alone, someone to pay me to go do the research. Like I'm interested to learn that myself. So we decided to take that project on and, um, our program education program manager and project manager, she decided to take it on. And she like, she just rocked it. One of the things that I realized about scaling you have to devote the time to make sure the person or the people that you're hiring, they understand your model and they understand your approach. And then you normalize feedback, right? Like constructive feedback is part of the model here at Day of Wano Consultancy. It's also part of the model for myself. And it's also what we try to inspire and encourage our external partners to do. Now, when they're thinking about like changing their culture, like you're not going to be able to change your culture if people are not honest about their, their experience within your culture. So you got to create a culture that celebrates constructive feedback. And that constructive feedback is not just up, down. That constructive feedback is below and up, down and up. So part of me establishing that, like I spend a lot of time with anyone that I work with anyone that represents Dale Mono Consultancy to understand that like constructive feedback is like saying that you don't know what you don't know is part of this. Like 
it's okay. And we'll make sure that you get the right skill and the right tools and the right experience to build upon it so you feel competent to do the job and represent. That's really what it's about. And, and that's, that's the experience that I learned when I was working for other companies. Like when we developed the learning, the learning model at the university, we needed to then scale. So instead of just having six coaches or 12 coaches, we needed to have over 100 coaches that coached about 6,000 students, right? So we needed to, to be intentional. And part of that, I, I helped develop a coaching training there. And, and I saw the, the positive impact that coaching training had. So those are the type of stuff that I've been able to acquire and take with me based on experiences that I had with other organizations. So that's why I was saying earlier, experience is so, so, so key when it comes to what you want to do and what you, and how you go about to do it. So the team that I have now, it's amazing. They're solid. Like it's really, really amazing. And and going back to the story of the professor, so my my program manager, education program manager and project manager, like she ran with it. Like she, first of all, I we told the the, the university that we were working with for this project that we needed them to give us the, the like the power to just go and kind of take the rein on how we went about in introducing the project to potential people that we're going to interview. And the goal was 10. We ended up having 20 people, close to 20 people, 15 that we interviewed, and a list of over 300 um, color professors all over the country, black and brown professors all over the country. And then she started interviewing them. And one of the things that I told her was like, we want to normalize a conversation beyond just the university that hired us. Like it's actually probably best to not even let the university that hire us to be the driver of the conversation. We just want to understand what made you going into teaching as a college professor and what was your experience was, what was your experience like during your PhD and what influence were you ended up going to work at? That's it. I mean, like simple as that, but that opened up so, so like it just opened up a plethora of experiences that we build upon during our interviews to learn about these professors. And it was amazing. I got to do some interviews and, 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 and every time after an interview, we, we just, we felt so full. I was like, I just want to be best friend with this professor. Like they're just amazing. And we also realized like the importance of that understanding people's experience, not just having assumptions, right? Oh, just because you have a PhD you, and, and you want to be a professor, you're just going to want to go to Harvard or you're going to want to go to this school or that school. No, people have preferences. People have preferences, regardless of their, their diversity classification. Certain skill set people have they, have, they have preferences of where they end up or where they want to go. So we learned a whole lot. We were able to put together a really awesome summary and we presented it back to the, the university that we work with and, and it was just awesome. So part of that, um, my project and program manager, she's going to actually create a podcast next year and it's going to be through the Day of Mono Consultancy where we are going to focus on understanding the experiences of black and brown professors all over the country, hopefully all over the world. So stay tuned on that. So in, in the business side of things, it's been crazy. It's been really crazy. Uh, another thing that happened in 2020, 2021 
we ended up closing our office that we had um, in downtown Manchester because we realized that like 85 to 90% of our work was all virtual. So I decided to consolidate. So part of that, we ended up selling our home that we had and bought a home that allowed us to have a space where I can run my business and have my employees and then a place where my family can also live. So, but that, that was also a risk, right? That was also a risk selling our house in the middle of a pandemic and then buying a house. And, 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 and that's the piece about entrepreneurship. Like you got to be able to calculate your risk, right? And, and part of that is accepting the consequences. It's not just like, oh, I'm a risk taker. It's about consequences, right? So some of the stuff that's transpired in that, in that process of renovating and all of that, like that all came from the decision that we made. And, you know, we're almost, we moved in about a month and a half ago and the office is done upstairs is like 85% done with where my family lives. And, but it, it's, it's crazy because a lot of this stuff, like access to resources, is always a driver for many entrepreneurs depending on what access you have, you decide what you, but sometimes part of your entrepreneurial path, you have to build upon the resources first and before you you execute. And that's what we've been doing within the last three years, right? Like our consultant stuff is, is the driver and, but we want to develop tools. We want to develop tools that will allow us to, to scale the work that we do. So with that, I'm going to let you know in a couple of seconds what 2022 is going to look like. All right, we're back. This is Deo Moano, Persevere to Excel podcast. We're talking about 2021 and what 2022 is going to look like. We've talked about mental health, your being, right? My being throughout 2021. I talked about my family, uh, celebrating 10 years of wedding anniversary with my wife this year. I talked about the growth of my business, hiring people. And now we're towards the end here. And we want to talk about what is the move for 2022? One of the things that I forgot to mention was a way that I was able to feed on my creative side was this investment that we made around producing and writing this piece called The Blueprint. And The Blueprint came out of an engagement that I had with this private school where they wanted me to be like a visiting fellow and I decided that part of my kind of deliverable of my work was going to be this project called The Blueprint that helps people understand what they need to do in order to have a blueprint that reflects who they are, but also a blueprint that doesn't discriminate or lead by prejudice. So we wrote this piece called The Blueprint, inspired by Martin Luther King's speech that he made in 1967 called What Your Life is Blueprint. We developed eight different stories, collaborated with some amazing, amazing, amazing talent, amazing talent from musicians, dancers, singers, poet, all of this crazy, awesome people that jumped on this project. And so we produced it and we gave them a lot of flexibility around the character to really 
decide what they wanted, how they wanted the story to flow. And one of the things that happened was there was there was an issue that occurred. And a lot of those issues was based on what we've all experienced within the last year and a half. And when people were internalizing that particular impact of an issue, they ended up internalizing through a creative medium. So some did it through dance, singing, playing a cello. Oh my gosh, we had someone playing a cello. It was amazing. And then... Um, and and then we were, we were able to package it, and we shared we shared the blueprint project with the school and different communities. Decided to book us to 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 showcase the the blueprint project, which is a video film, and then we submitted it to different film festivals throughout the country. And I we pretty much like the the format of how it's shot. It's more like like just like a direct shoot. Like it doesn't have like 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 coloring, cinematography, and all that. Like it's pretty like direct. But I decided, like, why not? Like, I should just submit it. And it's been cool because out of all the places that we submitted, we submitted over, like, 10 different things. Three selected it. One um, awarded it as uh, the best short film. It was, like, a social impact focus kind of a theme. Um, best best script and short film. It won that uh, the diversity award for that. And then one had an honorable mention, a film festival out of... Um, California, a, they had an honorable mention for it. And then another one, it was a top uh, semifinalist out of Chicago. But, and the thing about that is like a lot of my work, like it's, it's process orientated. Like we create stuff because that's the driver of bringing something to life. And, and, and sometimes like how people gravitate towards a, you know, that's under their own objectivity but for us it's really about like the essence of creating that like bringing it to life and so submitting the the film to different film festival like it was less about like oh we're you know we you want to get recognized like it, it it's not perfect like i knew for sure the way that we put it together it wasn't perfect i mean we shot the entire thing in a week and we edited it in a week and a half right and the the entire piece ended up being over 45 minutes like that's not enough time right but the fact that the idea was there and the opportunity was to bring that idea to life. And then we, you know, we, we shot it out. Like we send it to the whole world, people to see it. So part of 2022, our plan is actually to do another video project called Persevering. Yeah, you see, you see that? You know, Persevere to Excel is a, a slogan. But it, we wanted to focus on this persevering. How do different modalities and what people use in order for them to persevere. So that's what the story is. It's going to be kind of the same format, like eight to 10 stories but we're going to shoot it completely different because of the way, how we, now that we, we have a proof of concept of what we did last year, like now we're like ready to like bring this piece, this creation to life and then uh, be more intentional how we present it. But the blueprint project made us such a big impact with the groups and organization that we got to share with. Right. And that was an investment that we made. Right. Remember what I was saying earlier as, as an entrepreneur, like you need to make that investment. You need to make that sacrifice. So, Day One Consultancy funded the entire project. And then we found partners that were able to pay for the service that came with the Blueprint project. So the Blueprint project, like the investment that we made came back, you know, a couple of times fold, right? That's what entrepreneurship is. And it doesn't necessarily mean like you got to do like a big thing. Like you're, you're able to do, make the investment based on your capacity now, right? If you, if you don't know how to invest with $10, how are you going to invest when you have $100,000 or a million, right? So you got to be able to practice that because 
You got to be able to grow it out. And some, some investment, like, might have to come from your own. So, like, when we invested on the Blueprint Project, like, that was our own money. Like, we didn't go out there and like, oh, we need an investor for this, right? Like, we made that sacrifice because we believed in it. So, sometimes as an entrepreneur, you got to believe in whatever the idea is, and then you got to be able to make that sacrifice, your own resources and time in order to bring that to life. So, that's what we did with the Blueprint. So, we're excited for 2022, the Persevere project that we're going to be working on. And then the other thing with, with 2022 is uh, we've, been, we've been working on an app, right? So we work with so many different groups of people and ownership to the positive behavior that contributes to people accomplishing their task and their goals are something that we hear over and over and over and that was something that I focused a lot when I was working for the university was really helping students accomplish their goals, right? Like their, their, the goals that they set for themselves on a weekly basis and also the goals that they wanted to accomplish, you know, long-term. So I've been concepting this idea for so long, building an app that creates accountability partners that you're in an ecosystem your own ecosystem, essentially, what it does is it's digging deep within who you are by you providing content and information that represents you. And then those content and information are used to stimulate your ability to accomplish the task and goals that you want to do. So the, the app is called Mirror I Am. We have a proof of concept that we have designed and we've been playing around with. And now we're going to build it out, like full out. So over this year, 2021, I've, I found a developing company and we've been um, specking the entire thing. So we have all the specs, we have all the requirements. And uh, starting in January, that company is going to build it out. They're going to build this thing out. It's incredible. We're so excited about it. It's a whole lot of uh, investment. It's a big investment. And part of the Deo Mono Consultancy is for us to really, really scale the work that we're doing on an individual basis to technology and tools that could, you know, scale it to a greater, greater, greater amount of people. So um, that's always been part of the goal, right? A lot of our work is personal, you know, and uh, we learn a lot through that. And we're going to continue to do that work but also we're going to provide tools to our partners in order for them to, um, to have the, the, the data and the resources to really accomplish the goals that they want to accomplish. So this is our first, our first go at it. And we're calling it Mirror I Am because what it does is it mirrors the intention of the organization by making those intentions tangible. And then it does that through individual commitments, right? People are able to come up with tasks and goals that they want to accomplish and it utilizes who they are. I don't, I don't want to give it away too much so because we're going to be showing this very soon. So hopefully uh, our build-out should be done by May and June, but we're going to be prototyping and testing it throughout March, April. So we're super excited about that. Like, I'm so pumped. Like, I've learned so much working for so many different tech companies, and and um, I always knew that I'll get to a point where that that, you know, utilizing technology was going to be a piece of the work that we do. But Unfortunately, it's taken a long time before I get to a position to build my own technology platform and software. Now we are, right? Because I, I, I had to build upon the business first in order to get to this position, right? 
And that's, and that is a big investment. That is a huge investment. It's going to take time. It's going to take money. It's going to take personnel, all of that. But so that's the big thing for 2022. I mean, we have some really awesome partners that we're working with right now. Um, and we're going to continue to add more partners in our, um, in our portfolio. So we, we, in 2021, we worked with over 30 different partners across different industry. So we are anticipating to increase that. And we're going to probably increase our, our team as well, our personnel. I'm very strategic in how I scale when it comes to people because, like I said, like all of our investment so far up to this point is internal. It's the money that we make from our partners is the money that we invest back into the business. So we haven't taken any outside funding um, yet. Um, in order to really, really scale and grow. So we're, we're doing it methodically, right? We, we're not going to just go out and take a bunch of money from some investors just for the sake of, oh, we're going to invest our money. Like, nah, that's not really, that's not, that's not how I envision it. So that's the same approach we're taking with the app. We're going to build out, the, we're going to invest and build out the app first. We have enough partners that, that will, you know, hopefully come alongside us and, and subscribe and purchase a license fee to try and test it. And then we'll iterate what we learned through that process. We'll go back on the app. And then we hope by the end of summer, beginning of fall, that we can actually, you know, bring in more partners to use it. And then depending on what happens, then we can go out and and do like a really good Serie A funding, like fundraising. At that point, we're hoping to have a little, we were hoping to have revenue before we go out and raise money on this product. We want, we want like a full out, like, build out and people testing and playing around with it, having positive experiences. And before we go out and say, Oh, here's our technology and invest in it. Right. So anyways, so that, that is the big project. Like that's, that's a huge project and we're super excited to make that commitment for 2022. And um, yeah, I mean, for, for that's a lot, that was a whole lot of stuff that I just, blah, just like gave you all. And I hope that you found this podcast inspiring, motivating. Um, For me personally, like it's all about learning from each other. And I think it's really important to be grounded in who you are. And that's where we started, right? I started talking about my being, right? What, how was my being impact in 2021? And what did I do in order to foster my being? That's where we started, so I would ask you, as you reflect on your 2021 and what you want to do in 2022, really like find that grounding, be intentional, be intentional of who you are as a person and where you want to go in order to have ownership in the process you put in place to pursue those positive things that you are passionate about. And carve time to have interpersonal relationship with those who matters to you. Don't allow the events and the external experience to be the driver of the relationships you have. And then when it comes to you personally, like for your job, like be the best, like work towards being the best version of yourself. And sometimes being the best version of yourself is about pursuing being the best version of yourself, the pursuit, the intentionality. And most importantly, be grounded. Don't allow 
the negative things that doesn't represent you take over. It doesn't mean like, it doesn't mean you're not going to be perfect. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, right? It's, it's being aware of what's driving you. And as you are aware of it, you can reflect, carving time to reflect upon how you're showing up and allowing others to come in when it's appropriate, those you trust. So you can evaluate and keep yourself accountable. Because when you realize that negative thing, right, whatever that negative thing is, too much drinking, too much smoking, whatever it is, I don't know, too much porn, I, 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 don't, I don't know what it is, lusting or whatever it is, like, like buying a bunch of stuff, whatever, whatever that thing is, being a poser, right? Like your image, uh, like whatever that negative thing that is, that, that takes over sometimes, like create the moment in time to stop and reflect and then carve out what your approach is going to be to confront those negative things from manifesting through you. And then you have to replace it. You got to replace it with, with, with different stuff. Like if you want, if you want to eat better, like then stop going to that grocery store that you know where you're going to end up buying that thing. If you, if you, if you want to eat better, like stop going to that restaurant where you know that they don't offer enough clean food, right? Like if you want to be physical, like get a, get a membership, right? Like get a gym membership, like have a realistic time that you want to go to the gym and work out, like find a partner. But a lot of this stuff is like, you got to have ownership to it. You can't just let the positive pursuit be the intention, but never go into action. Because the negative stuff is the stuff that ends up taking over. And that low stuff, is it's not going to hold back. It's just going to manifest. So I encourage you as you go into 2022, what is your, how are you going to persevere? How are you going to maximize on the positive intention that you have? So it comes out. So thank you so much for tuning in. And we're going to be more consistent with the, uh, the Persevere to Excel podcast in 2022. I'm not even messing around. And we have some more podcasts that's going to come out of Dale Mono Consultancy. And again, thank you so much. Happy holidays to you and your family. Persevere to Excel. Subscribe. Share. Love you guys. Go get it. Bow. Bow.